Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta, and this Sunday's Gospel, we've got the well-known parable. It's a story of a landowner who hired several laborers throughout the day to work in his fields, and at the end of the day, the laborers who had worked the entire day were outraged to learn that they had received the same wages as those who were hired later in the day. What is Jesus trying to teach us here? And joining us to help us figure this out is Peggy Stanton, author of From the White House to the White Cross. She's a dame of the Order of Malta, was ABC News' first female Washington correspondent, and has hosted and produced programs at Ave Maria Radio, including the Malta Minute with the Catechism, which uh, has just been uh, produced as a book as well. Peggy, good to have you. Good to be here. Well, let's go to the reading of this. Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16a. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, the landowner saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You too, go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. So they went off. And he went out again around noon and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, the landowner found others standing around and he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You too, go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought that they would receive more. But each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us? We bore the day's burden and the heat. And he said to one of them in reply, My friend, I'm not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first, and the first will be last. That's again Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. So... Everybody has the, I think everybody has the same reaction, right? which is, well, it, I, I'm afraid I would have felt the same way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, two things jump out. One, of course, is the uh, wonderful generosity of the landowner. And then the other is, is, is the landowner really fair? And, you, and like you say, you when you first hear that, you tend to be very much on the side of those poor laborers out there broiling in the hot sun. But if you start thinking of the vineyard as it is is supposed to be thought of as uh, the kingdom of God and the landowner, God, you start to think about it a little differently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because the the catechism says uh, par- in paragraph two thousand eight, in part says the merit of man before God in the Christian life 
arises from the fact that God has freely chosen to associate man with the work of his grace. In other words, now for instance in the parable, the landowner uh, is the one who initiates and hires the people, right? Yep. So the fatherly action of God is first on his own initiative and then follows man's free acting through his collaboration so that the merit of good works is to be attributed in the first place to the grace of God, then to the faithful. Man's merit, moreover, itself is due to God, for his good actions proceed in Christ from the predispositions and assistance given by the, by the Holy Spirit. Um, so the merits of our good works are gifts of the divine goodness. Right. Grace has gone before us. Now we are given what is due. Yeah. Our merits are God's gifts. So um, we really, <laughs> according to uh, theological thinking, we we really, uh, you know, we have nothing to offer in terms of our wonderful gifts. Yeah, we can't obligate God. Um right. He, he's given us uh, our life. He's given us the grace to do as he commands. And this parable is really about the extravagant uh, grace and generosity of God. Right. That's, that's what's constant through this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody is treated the same. Right. They all receive the extravagant generosity of God. Mm-hmm. And, um, but human beings calculate. You know, <laughs> they always want to put themselves in a position in which they believe they deserve better than their peers. Right. Um, it, and I think that's... They tend to think of it in, um, you know, contract terms. Right. We did. We had a deal here. <laughs> yeah. and that's the problem. The, 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 the people who worked for a whole day freely accepted the deal they were going to get a denarius he yeah that's and they days happily, wage. yeah exactly but then and there's more um thinking on this as you say the great extravagant generosity of god um in that in that he initiates the work and then he it's his grace that keeps us going at it um, it is paragraph 2011 says uh, the charity of Christ is the source in us of all our merits before God grace by uniting us to Christ in active love ensures the supernatural quality of our acts and consequently their merit before God and before men the saints have always had a lively awareness that their merits were pure grace. Mm, mm-hmm. This this is from uh, the little flower, Saint Teresa of Lisieux. Yeah, she says, after Earth's exile, I hope to go and enjoy you in the fatherland, but I do not. Obviously, she's talking to our Lord, but I do not want to lay up merits for heaven. I want to work for your love alone. In the evening of this life, I shall appear before you with empty hands, for I do not ask you, Lord, to count my works. 
All our, our justice is blemished in your eyes. I wish then to be clothed in your own justice and to receive from you your love, eternal possession of yourself. And, you know, John Berksma, who we always like to quote, um, comes at the parable from a, a, a slightly different angle. He says, uh, the vineyard in this parable can identify it as Israel based on the Old Testament text. Jesus' choice of 12 apostles makes clear that in his ministry he is establishing a new Israel, a new community of God's people. This community will consist of one people made up of both Jews and Gentiles. This new community is the manifestation on earth of the kingdom of God, and it is also the vineyard of, in this parable. It comes to be called Ecclesia, the gathering, the church. Um, the workers in the vineyard are those the Lord calls to assist him in his labors, the apostles first, but in later generations, their successors and others who work to cultivate and care for God's kingdom. A secondary application can be made to all Christians, for we're all called to care for and cultivate the kingdom manifested as the church. The message of the parable, then, is clear. All who are called to work with the Lord to care for his kingdom will receive the same reward, the denarius. The fathers generally held this denarius represents eternal life, the basic pay of all who heed the master's call to come into his vineyard. All workers will receive this reward equally. The parable then seems at odds with other parables and teachings that suggest a distinction of greater and lesser reward in the next life. How can both perspectives be accurate? And can it be fair of God to reward equally different levels of service? Hmm. And I think this is really interesting. I hadn't thought of this. St. Thomas Aquinas actually addresses precisely this issue. And the text of the parable is in his Summa, whether one man may be happier than another. Presumably, we're, we're obviously talking about in paradise. Mm -hmm. St. Thomas's answer is that while God gives the same objective gift to each of the elect, nonetheless, there is a diversity in the subjective enjoyment of that gift. In other words, heaven is granted to everyone who is in Christ but the more virtuous will derive greater pleasure from it. I think that is fascinating. I, I do too. And, and that's because, again, um, the more virtuous are those who are more capable of uh, receiving pleasure from it. Ah, yeah. well put. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the way I had imagined that <laughs> before I read this was that... Um, like Mother Teresa will have a huge mansion, <laughs> and I'll have a cabin if I get there. <laughs> yeah, but you'll be real happy with that cabin. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, I, I mean, the fact that it, it maybe we're 
objectively speaking, we're all got the same size cloud, but um, the virtuous will get much more pleasure from that cloud than those of us who are <laughs> lesser in virtue. Sure. I, yeah, I mean, look, at this is... Uh, the the day will come uh, where we both hope we will know this firsthand. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little later than sooner, right? <laughs> so who are the grumbling workers, Bergsma asked, who bore the heat of the day and are dissatisfied with their pay? In one sense, they may represent any Christian who misconstrued the nature of the vineyard, mm-hmm the nature of the Lord, and the purpose for their labor. This first wave of the workers had a legalistic conception of their relationship with the Lord. They bargained and agreed on a certain reward for a certain amount of work. Uh, and the workers called later are working on trust. They have no contract with the Lord. They simply have faith that the Lord will indeed give them a salary that is just. Hmm. They must believe that the Lord is a man of his word. They have faith in him. The first, I think this is a very interesting point, the first wave of workers also feel failed to see that it is a privilege to work in the vineyard and take part in the labor of the Lord. Being in the vineyard means being close to the Lord of the vineyard. This in itself is a privilege. They should be glad, he says, that more workers have come. Their joy should increase that others, even though lately come, can share the same joys, the same experience. Mm -hmm. And so he sums it up by saying the first wave of workers are persons who heed God's call but just don't understand God's self-giving nature and haven't assimilated that nature within themselves. God's thoughts, especially of mercy and grace, are far above their thoughts. If they really understood the nature of the Lord, of the vineyard, they would have been overjoyed so that many could share in this same reward. And uh, their complaints put them in the same category as the elder uh, son right. in, oh, in yeah, the right. uh, prodigal yeah. mm-hmm. story. Yeah. Well, Peggy, thanks. Very good. Thank, thank you, Al. I'm, I'm much sharper for Sunday now. <laughs> so. well, aren't we all? Hopefully. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk soon. Thanks. Again, The Laborers in the Vineyard, Peggy Stanton. Um, you really should get a hold of her book, uh, Multi Minute with the Catechism. It's beautiful. <laughs>